Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This year marks the seventh anniversary of MTSU's study abroad program in Israel. The participants will leave Nashville July 16th and return July 29th. The class is called Advanced Topics in Comparative Politics, the Politics of Being Israel from Abraham to Modern Democracy. But don't let the title fool you. The students have a lot of fun while they're learning. Dr. Karen Peterson, Dean of the College of Liberal Arts and Political Science Professor, will lead the way. She'll run through the itinerary and all the extra added attractions after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. The global demand for professional pilots helps solidify a partnership approved June 24th between MTSU and Moy University of Kenya. MTSU President Sidney McPhee and Isaac Kosge, Moy's chief executive officer, signed a five-year pact that would allow their respective aerospace faculty to collaborate on teaching, research, and student exchanges. Moy University in Eldoret, near Kenya's capital of Nairobi, boasts an enrollment of about 52,000 students. And the Womack Department of Educational Leadership observed its professional counseling program's 50th anniversary, June 15th, with a reception at the Miller Education Center. Some students in the program and MTSU's College of Education prepare themselves to work as professional school counselors at the elementary, middle, and secondary school levels. Other students who pursue the clinical mental health counseling degree track become prepared for licensure as professional counselors with mental health service provider designations. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Is there anything different about this year's trip by comparison to prior years? Yes, this is the first year we will visit Jordan as well as Israel, so we will uh, have an excursion to Petra this year for the first time. We're very excited about that. We will also, for the first time, visit a lot on the Red Sea, which is in the southernmost part of Israel, and we will uh, spend the night in Tel Aviv for the first time this year. In the past, agriculture has been a part of the experience. Does this hold true this year, too? Yes, agriculture is a key part of the Israeli economy and the story of Israel and the establishment of Israel as well. And uh, actually, I have students who participate in the program who are in that major in ag science. And I have a student this year who's doing research on agricultural politics and the way Israel uses agricultural technology as a foreign policy tool. So it's always it's always a central theme for us. What is Israeli food like? And do the students complain about wanting American food the way the spoiled brats on my study abroad trip to <laughs> Vietnam did? No, because uh, Israeli cuisine is very hard to pin down. You know, Israel's a melting pot of um, Jewish populations from all over the world, including the U.S., and most, most Jewish residents of Israel either know people in the U.S., have been to the U.S., have family here. So there's a lot of Americanized food. In fact, we'll have French fries for lunch every day, if that tells you anything. Mm -hmm. But Israel is now a hot cuisine destination for people, so they this is new. I mean, this was a socialist country when it started, so food was not – it was a priority for nourishment, not necessarily for taste. And so it's a relatively new phenomenon for Israel to be a hot 
cuisine destination and the food is phenomenal but the students have a lot of access to fresh fruits and vegetables and breads chicken the the sort of staples of an american diet you don't have to keep kosher unless you just want to right um the hotels we use are minimally kosher you know they won't mix meat and dairy for example but they're not strictly kosher and we don't keep kosher When you plan these excursions, what is your thought process like in terms of balancing the various disciplines that come to bear here? Religion, government, archaeology, history, a lot of topics are in play in Israel. Absolutely, and it's challenging because in order to really understand modern Israel, you have several thousand years of history that you have to have at least a minimal understanding of, uh, including the Roman Empire and the Ottoman Empire. Um, and even the Jewish, the Jewish political control prior to that. So it's a little bit difficult to do that, to cover all of that material in such a short amount of time. And when you add to the list that you uh, just indicated, you add geography, for example, which is a central theme. I mean, the reason that Israel is at the center of the world's attention has a lot to do with mountains and valleys and the placement of those valleys in those mountain ranges. And that becomes a a key piece uh, upon which we build the whole story. So really for me it's about telling a story from the as close to the beginning as we can get to 1948. A little bit of modern politics but mostly the establishment of the state. What do you think makes the trip popular year after year after year if you had to nail it down to one thing? For students there's this really rich academic component there they are seeing things that they've learned about for their entire lives. You know, they're, they're literally standing there in the middle of a Roman city, you know, looking at what, what that was like. Walking down the streets of a Roman city is, is a phenomenal experience. But at the same time, for many students, you know, they're, they're visiting places they've learned about since they were young children in Sunday school. So they get to see places that they, you know, they, they make a physical connection with that they've only heard about mm-hmm. in the most abstract terms sometimes. Um, and so you have this really rich experience on an academic and intellectual level, but it's also just a beautiful place. And it's the people are great, and it's a lot of fun. I was going to ask you about the interactions between Israelis and Americans, because we've been friends since the inception mm-hmm. of the country. Uh, are they welcoming to American tourists? Yeah, they're, they're largely positive in their interactions. Uh, I mean, a lot of the places that we are, in the first half of the trip, we're out in northern Israel uh, and these sort of national parks basically that's most of the archaeological ruins are national parks so we don't have a lot of interaction during the day but once we get into Jerusalem you know we're mixing it with the the locals who live in the most mm-hmm. perhaps most contested piece of real estate in the planet and um, they they are not only welcoming they are engaging and interested in talking to young people because you know Israel is not a typical study abroad destination We'll take a break here. We'll be back in just a minute. This is MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERA, which has members in 20 states and seven nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com.
NTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The study abroad trip to Israel marks its seventh year this year. It'll be July 16th to July 29th. Dr. Karen Peterson, who's dean of the College of Liberal Arts and a political scientist, will uh, lead the way with help from Mr. Simon, uh, who has come to speak at MTSU before, has he not? Yes. And who is Mr. Simon, Ronnie Simon? Uh, Ronnie is an Israeli historian and uh, lieutenant colonel in the Israeli Defense Forces, retired, and now uh, acts as a guide in Israel. And, and being a guide in Israel is serious business. You have to have gone through significant training and you have to be licensed. And, and it's uh, heavily regulated. Much of Israel is heavily, heavily regulated. Mm-hmm. Again, a sort of reflection of the socialist beginnings of the state. Uh, he's probably the smartest person I've ever met, knows more about obviously more about Israeli history than than anyone, but also more about U.S. history and world history and politics than perhaps anyone I've ever encountered. And he... um he loves working with our group. He does not typically get to work with college-age students. As I said, they're not the typical group to visit Israel anyway. And so it's an opportunity for him to, to really engage in challenging intellectual conversations. And, and, you know, obviously it's Israel. There's a lot of controversy. We don't skirt that and we don't avoid that. And, uh, and he enjoys the opportunity to have those conversations with young people and, and have that dialogue, if you will. So does he ever get into any debates with students who might be more inclined to see the Palestinian point of view, for example? Yeah, and I mean, and, and Ronnie's the kind of person who can see the Palestinian point of view as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's an educated and uh, educated individual, and so he can see that side of things as well. Of course, he has the Israeli side of it. He's an Israeli. He's a Sabra, mm-hmm. which is a native-born Israeli, and uh, his parents came to Israel from Romania after the Holocaust. They survived. And so he has uh, deep roots in Israel and very much is, is uh, committed to the state. But he's, he understands that there are other ways to see that conflict. And, yeah, we've had some interesting conversations over the years. And, you know, the students understand we're there to, to, mm-hmm. to study Israeli politics largely. Yeah. So, I remember asking you in the past if the students had gotten to see the Knesset, do you, will you get to see the Israeli government in action? Well, unfortunately, they're not there in July. So oh. we've, every time we visit, it's, it's late July. And uh, we do visit the Knesset. We have a tour of the Knesset to discuss the history of the, the, uh, the institution and then the physical building. And, uh, but the ministers rarely are there ministers in the building when we're there because of the time of year. Well, what's the weather like in July? It's hot. It's very hot. Um, it's Of course, it's hot here. So mm-hmm. what I tell the students is you can be hot here or you can be hot there. Right. Uh, one of the reasons we go at the end of July is because there aren't that many tourists visiting Israel at, in the middle toward the end of July because it is hot. And so it, it allows us to have access to places and to people that we wouldn't otherwise have access to. So, for, for example... One of my favorite sites is Bet Shean. It's a Roman, r- r- restored Roman town, and usually we are the only people 
walking around this national park. You know, that's it's a phenomenal experience. And there's maybe someone will show up. You know, occasionally another group might show up, but usually it's just us, and we have the place all to ourselves, which is wonderful. And you've been there enough times to have made numerous contacts on the ground. So you have local contacts with whom you deal year in and year out who uh, know the territory Mm -hmm. and can help explain things. Sure. We have a remarkable opportunity every year to sit down with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs Mm -hmm. representatives. Usually it's the representative for North American relations, which is really important to Israel. Sometimes we get the Middle East uh, representative, Mm -hmm. which is also very important. But that person will sit down at the conference room table with the students and have a conversation about whatever's happening. There's always something happening because it's Israel. You know, that that opportunity is, is really based on those relationships. That's not something that ordinary travel groups would be able to do. And uh, so making and cultivating those relationships for that modern part of the story is really important. And this is has always been and still is a faculty led study abroad experience as opposed to arranging it through a consortium. Explain the difference if you would. So you as a faculty member you can work with one of the consortium programs and they will do all of the logistics for you and basically all you do is recruit and the students send the money. I'm I'm assuming they funnel it through MTSU, but ultimately it goes to the provider and you tag along with the provider group. Sometimes there are students from other institutions uh, in the groups as well. I have never participated in in a program that way. I've never created one using that method. Uh, The faculty-led programs are entirely managed and run by MTSU faculty and staff. And so there, there are some challenges to that, but it gives you a great deal of control over the program, the ability to set your own itinerary, to, you know, to have only MTSU-affiliated people with you to uh, change things every year if you want to or, or move around, change things in, uh, you know, in Israel, it's important to be flexible. It's flexibility is important to any international travel, but it's particularly important in Israel that you are willing to change your plans if you need to change your plans for any reason. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I control mm-hmm. uh, as a faculty member. I don't, I'm not working with a, with a provider organization. It also cuts down costs for the students to have a faculty-led program. Israel's very expensive. It's Western European kind of expensive, and so uh, it's already a, a relatively expensive program, uh, not out of line with the others, but to do it through a provider would probably add $1,000 or more to the cost, and that's just not tenable. Do you wait until you get there to get your currency changed over, or do you do it before you go? I, I'm I would, if it were up to me, just get my money when I got there. But I usually give the students an opportunity to buy some currency. We'll get together and we'll make one purchase. Some of them want to have some shekels in their pocket when they land. It, you know, and it's Israel, so it, it, the places we go for lunch, for example, you can pay in U.S. dollars or shekels. I mean, it's that they they're perfectly happy to have U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. We'll take a break again. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There is no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. 
Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. This is Dr. Heather Brown, director of the program. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. Dr. Karen Peterson is our guest. She's dean of the College of Liberal Arts and a political science professor who will be leading for the seventh time the MTSU Study Abroad program to Israel in July. How much does this year's experience cost per student? So the cost the students pay me, which includes everything except lunch, is 5500 um, that would in, that includes their airfare, which is real, relatively expensive. All of their ground transportation, all of their lodging, all of their admissions to every site, uh, travel insurance that's comprehensive travel insurance, and breakfast and dinner every day, and that's all included in that fee that they pay me. So, what about scholarships and other financial aid? Of course, we have it, but you, if you're going to go on any study abroad experience, you have to plan way, way in advance, months in advance of the event, and pay in advance, too. Right? Absolutely, yeah, and so it's important for students to be thinking about uh, not whether they want to study abroad, because they should all study abroad, but where they want to go and when they want to fit that in the program. So there are university-level scholarships available through the Office of Education Abroad that uh, that are competitive, but there are multiple uh, scholarship opportunities through that office. And then uh, the College of Liberal Arts has scholarships for students who are majors in liberal arts that they can apply for as well. And then students who are taking the class as part of their program of study for whom this will count toward the degree, either as an elective or as part of a degree program, can use regular financial aid, whatever financial aid they would normally have access to, mm -hmm. uh, provided they take one other summer class, they're a full-time student with six hours, and so they, they have access to the ordinary financial aid that any student would have. Now, lest anybody think that this is just an excuse for people to go overseas and party, let's talk about the educational requirements for this class. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, if you're going to go overseas to party, Israel is probably not the destination you're going to choose. It's not a big drinking culture and party culture. Um, I mean, you know. They, and Saturday they, is the Sabbath. Yeah, Saturday's the uh, Shabbat, and the places we stay, they, they it's it's hard to find something to do on a Saturday. Now Tel Aviv is kind of a hip modern city and, and so we'll be staying there for the first time this year and that might be a different experience but this is not a party destination in general but uh, the, the students the students by the time I am finished with them after two weeks in Israel have learned more I would I would bet have learned more in that two weeks than in, in an entire semester because we're on the go eight hours, nine hours a day, uh, visiting these different locations and talking about the, the, the big picture, but also what happened at these very specific locations. So they're getting the, the sort of on-the-ground lecture material. They've already read, before coming over, they've read a book about the establishment of Israel from the beginning to 19, about 1975 or so and uh, answered some questions for me. They're keeping a journal while they're there, which is a core piece of, of any travel, but it's, uh, it's a core piece of this class is, is their reflections on what they've experienced every day. Mm -hmm. And it is now an MT Engage class as well, so they're doing a portfolio experience along with that. Uh, and then they, when they return, they 
have follow-up questions, you know, reflective questions about the experience and what, what was different. What did they expect that didn't, they didn't, what did they anticipate that they didn't experience and what did they experience that they didn't anticipate and things, things that cause them to think more broadly about the experience. So yeah, they're, I'm working them pretty hard. <laughs> they do so, have evenings free though, and it is right. a lot of fun. Israel and the U.S. have been friends, as we said, ever since the country's inception. To what extent do contemporary politics enter into the discussions? I think for a lot of students, it's, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons they got interested in it in the first place is you you hear a lot more about Israel uh, in the political discourse today than you probably ever have. I mean, I, I can't recall a time where Israel was as central to political discourse as it is now. So I think for a lot of them, they come in already maybe aware of that relationship and sort of primed to see it as a special relationship in a way that that perhaps students wouldn't have 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, So it it does affect that, but it also gives students the opportunity to experience the fact that Israel is in fact in many respects an ordinary country with ordinary problems like traffic and mm-hmm. high cost of living and and sort of the same things that we all grapple with it, it is a special place for many people for a lot of reasons and i don't want to i don't want to downplay that but i think it's important to understand that you know israelis living in israel have the same sort of sets of issues that you and i have the same set of problems and and they're just trying they're doing their best to try to live in that difficult neighborhood and solve those problems in a messy democracy and that's a really important lesson for students and i don't think you get that any other way other than going what is the biggest myth that gets busted about Israel when these students go there? Well, there are two, so I'm going to cheat. I'm okay. going to give you the easy one first, that it's a desert. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's not a desert. Spoiler it alert. Has a right? desert. It has a very large desert, which we're going to explore extensively this year for the first time. But it's a very diverse place geographically and ethnically and religiously. And in all respects, it's very diverse. But the biggest myth, I think, that I want them to walk away understanding is no is not accurate is that there is an Israeli opinion you know there is no there is no Israeli opinion about anything at all nothing I mean that you you can't find agreement in Israeli politics about a single issue even the existence of the state itself is debated even within the Jewish Israeli community right is it a religious state or is it a secular state yeah I mean it's a secular state right. found founded on religious principles it's a Jewish state but it's technically a secular state mm-hmm. but there's there obviously there's a high level of participation by the the religious uh, uh, members of Jewish society there's a very large secular Jewish population and they mm-hmm. are not at all interested in that there's a multiplicity of political parties there are oh, yeah. b- different representatives in the Knesset from uh, not just two parties two major parties as we have here in this country but various parties right and it's and it makes it, for me it makes for a very interesting democracy and for students to see that from the US is is important because it tells them a couple of things one there's more than one way to do democracy mm-hmm. it's not just this way that we do it and two as messy as that is and as difficult as it is it probably is the best arrangement for them you know given the diversity within the state given the precarious nature of of the existence of the state itself you know having a multi-party democracy gives them some safety valves for some of those uh, more extreme opinions that they have on both sides of the political spectrum you know don't be offended when people don't make small talk with you right that is the one thing i think that is culturally across the board seems to be true of israelis they don't do a lot of small talk so when you have an interaction
interaction with a storekeeper and you're buying a bottle of water, they don't care how your day is and they don't want you to ask how their day was. They're saying, you know, they just want you to pay for the water and get out of the store. And it's not rudeness. It's just that's right. a that's sort of the way they they interact. They don't want to hear a lot of southern yeah. uh, uh, chit chat uh, yeah. that we engage in. And I actually like it a lot. You know, I have grown <laughs> to to really love that. Um, but the students are a bit taken aback by it at first. The way that Israelis describe it is there's this sort of cultural culture of honesty like they don't want to ask you how your day is unless they actually care how your day is right and they don't really want to talk to you about their day unless they know you Mm -hmm. in which case then they will talk to you about everything and anything and um and that's just different from you know in the in the south in particular we're incredibly superficial in our interactions with people right so they come across as being kind but they're not kind they're just superficial well it's too late to sign up for this year as we said how many people do you have going there will be 16 of us this year um, and the group ranges in size from about 15 or 16 to about 24, 25. Security procedures? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are they different to Israel necessarily in order to survive being very, very security conscious? Sure. So coming into the country, you know, you, your your interactions with Israeli security is different. You know, it's it's... They don't have what I call superficial security. We have superficial security. So all that nonsense you do to go through the airport screening is not keeping you safe. Yes. Uh, but it makes you feel like you're safe, apparently, and that's why we do it. So it, it, taking your mother's milk away from yeah, you and right. that kind of you thing. Know, taking your shoes off and all of that silliness, We they don't mess with that. There's a lot of security happening that you don't know is happening. There's a lot of observation of people and their behaviors, and they, they do a lot of psychological profiling. If you're in the city, you know, you'll notice police or, or military security, not necessarily any more than you would see in a Western European country, more than you're used to here. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, people here are not used to seeing military on the street, and mm-hmm. so that can be a little bit, uh, I don't know if off-putting is the right word, probably not. Mm-hmm makes me feel better, frankly. The perception that people have that's driven by the media is so far different from the reality of actually walking around on the ground and in Israel. To hear some people talk, you'd think the whole country was under martial law or Which something. Which is crazy. No, that's not the case at all. There's a conflict there that has more than two sides, but I'm going to simplify it and give it two sides mm-hmm. for the moment. Both sides have some incentive to overstate the severity of these flare-ups when they happen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, Hamas wants to exaggerate this because it gives inter- they, they, they tend to get a lot of international sympathy despite the fact that they're a terror organization. And the Israelis, you know, make sure that everyone knows that bom- rockets are falling and that this is a major problem. But the reality is the day-to-day life of, of Israelis is not terribly affected by this, this overarching conflict, this low-intensity conflict. Um, they're they're far more concerned about traffic problems and the high cost of living in Israel than they are about this. Now, this is an underlying issue that can't be ignored, obviously, but it's it's not like if you're walking around in northern Israel, you would know that. If I transplanted you there, you wouldn't know where you were. You wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell. If people want to find out more about going to Israel and the study abroad class for next year, 2020, what do they need to do? How can they get in touch? The best thing to do is go to mtsu.edu slash Israel, and that's the, the website has all of the information about the trip, and as soon as we have the applications and everything situ- 
set for 2020. They'll be on the website usually early September. Mm-hmm. But you can go look at the itinerary, pictures, videos, all kinds of information available on there, testimonies from previous students. Um, and Or you can just contact me in the dean's office. I'm easy to find in Todd mm-hmm. Hall 231. And as I tell students all the time, this is my favorite thing to talk about. So anytime someone comes by to talk about Israel, it makes me happy. Dr. Karen Peterson, we wish you safe travels. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll be right back. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Early Childhood Training Alliance, or TECTA, works to improve the quality of child care in Tennessee by establishing a statewide training and professional recognition system. Through TECTA, child care providers may be eligible for free orientation training, tuition support for early childhood academic courses, and networking opportunities, as well as other services. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. Country music legend Charlie Daniels helped raise more than $150,000 for the second Veteran Impact Celebration, held recently at the Grove at Williamson Place in Murfreesboro. Here's retired Lieutenant General Keith Huber, Senior Advisor for Veterans and Leadership Initiatives. Charlie and Hazel Daniels Veterans and Military Family Center is unique. Our veterans are here comprehending that education is the key to re-entry into society to entry into the workforce and leadership positions. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.